another edition of old school guns the podcast that tells you exactly like it is and this is episode number 155 155 so for any artillerymen out there 155 is a special number for you um i will go ahead and say if you got any questions or comments you can send them to me at kbmakel at aol.com that is kbmakel at aol.com or you can leave them on the comments section of Podbean. You know, and I do have to give a shout out to Podbean. You know, they don't do any of that censorship stuff that you get off of, you know, YouTube and and some of the rest of this freaking nonsense. Um, they're really they're really pretty solid, and the, and it's quiet. Nobody ever really talks about it or gives them the kudos. But they uh, they basically you know let people broadcast, and uh, that's pretty awesome. That's really pretty awesome. Okay, well, we got a lot of stuff to go over. I've been staying away from politics. Uh, some of what I'm going to say at the very beginning part of the cast is politically related, and I'll caveat it by saying that a lot of analysis is out there. As a matter of fact, I would say it's analysis paralysis. Um, just as the 24-7, and it doesn't matter if it's CNN, Fox News, um, the analysis portion is just over and over and over and unfortunately they're, they're so busy creating the forest that no one can see the trees in them you know can't see the forest for the trees well this is you can't see the trees for the forest and uh, it depends on what your political leanings are I, I refuse to watch CNN I refuse to watch MSNBC um, I, I just refuse it they're garbage so forget it um, I don't even watch Newsmax because they kind of canned uh, Lara Logan for speaking some truth. <laughs> so, so, uh, and that's, you get to Google that and, and look it up, make up your own mind on that. But I think a part of the reason that I, I'm going to talk a little bit about politics is there's so much obvious nonsense out there. Uh, and the first thing is breaking story today Paul Pelosi, the 82. Two is it 82 or 83 I don't know she looks like she's about 400 so um, he may be 400 years old too but I think the actual uh, calendar count is uh, 82 well he got beaten up and assaulted in front of his San Francisco home I mean if you needed any kind of an indication that crime is out of control that our society is spinning out of control while you know people are more worried about Tom Brady's divorce and and you know all the other pop culture you know nonsense that's out there, society's spinning out of control. Do you see where uh, you know just an average guy um, is sitting in his house 
and some psycho came up. It was a uh, kind of a larger black female, I think. And she just, I don't know if they arrested her or not, but she just came up and started beating his house with a pickaxe. Just out of nowhere. This stuff can happen. And we've, we've seen the people getting, you know, shoved off the platforms and subways. We've seen, you know, in, in front of a train. We've seen the 70-year-old the, the lady get kicked down the stairs in a subway. Um, we've just seen all this random crime because criminals now are... Now they know that the consequences for crimes are a lot less than what they were. And they also know that, you know, prosecutors are so overburdened that I bet, I don't know what the real statistic is, but I bet 75% of crime doesn't get investigated or (laughs) prosecuted. That's what we live in, three out of four crimes. I guarantee that's what it is. Because I bet people don't even report most of them. You know, they just don't because they know nothing's going to come of it. And this leads me into what I really want to talk about, which is, you know, when I was younger, if somebody had come to me with the concept of the deep state, I would have laughed at them. And I I can remember, you know, way back then... um, guys would talk about the Bilderbergers or the Council on Foreign Relations and all these other you know kind of conspiracy theory groups that that kind of control things behind the scenes and and I remember just being so incredulous at that just saying how can anybody believe that nonsense and and while I don't think that those groups really do anything I think they were just you know convenient they were the they were the bait let everybody chase after them there's nothing there so but there is a deep state there is a deep state in the United States government that runs things and um, it's scary you see the indicators of it they're not necessarily directly related but when the FBI is telling social media companies hey uh, snuff that uh, Hunter Biden laptop story because, you know, we, we figured that's just Russian disinformation. Oh, okay. But yet again, they go to the FISA court for a warrant to surveil the Trump campaign based on a guy named, what was his name, Danichenko, who was a GRU officer who fed all this misinformation to Steele, who wrote the dossier that was purchased by the Clinton, administ- or, uh, Clinton campaign, provided to the FBI... The FBI didn't figure that was Russian disinformation, and yet we went through, we've gone through years of this stuff, um, years of this stuff related to that. You know, GRU, which is Russian military intelligence, has basically manipulated, and I don't think it takes much to manipulate the FBI. Frankly, I've lost all confidence in the FBI. This is not, you know, the 1960s TV show with Inspector Erskine and. You know, all those kind of, you know, really solid dudes who are out there, you know, fighting crime and and all that. That's not what the FBI has become. It's become a just a, a, a third world government organ to persecute citizens. That's really what it's done. I'm, I'm sure they do some of their other stuff too, but really they've been infiltrated by some of the worst people in our society who are using it for their own gain. And, you know, you saw it when that guy struck said, we're not going to let Trump, 
he, he's never going to take office. I'm sorry, he was elected. I know that Hillary Clinton said that it was an illegitimate election. You know, and again, another indication of the deep state. Hillary Clinton got her old harpy, wicked witch face on TV the other day saying, the Republicans have a plan to steal the 2024 election. Well, she called the 2016 election illegitimate. She says the 2020 election was okay. And now she says 2024, which hasn't even happened yet, is going to be stolen. And she offers no proof. There's no proof other than she's just on camera saying this. A complete fabrication and lie. And yet she's actually given, she's actually paid attention to. I mean, she doesn't deserve that. But I will tell you, that is somebody told her to say that. And so she did. She didn't come up with that on her own. How would she know? How would she say anything like that? How would she even come up with the idea? It's crazy. Just like it's crazy if you're the number three person on the Republican side of Congress, why would you throw in with the January 6th committee against your party? It costs you all of your parties, all of your, your positions, your seniority, all that stuff. Cost her all of that. And it eventually cost her, her 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 seat in Congress. Why would Liz Cheney do that? Why would Dick Cheney support her? Because Liz Cheney is nothing but the little cabbage patch looking daughter. You know, when I was <laughs> when I was younger and, and my friends had, you know, kids, um, you know, the cabbage patch dolls were a big thing then. And, and I can remember looking at Liz Cheney about a year ago saying, you know, she, there's something familiar about her. Not her, not, I don't recognize Liz Cheney, but she looks like something. And then, you know, I saw a meme or something with a Cabbage Patch kid and realized she looks like one of those Cabbage Patch dolls. You know, I don't know if they had glasses or not, but when she has her glasses on, she looks Cabbage Patch. And, you know, the fact of the matter is she was told to do that. Now, what she's been promised in return, I don't know. And I, I don't know that I could, outside of idle speculation, um, I would think that she's probably going to get, if there's a Democratic victory in 2024, she will get a cabinet post, is my guess. Because that's normally how they work. If you turn code on your own party, um, you can kind of get that. So um, I think that's what she'd get. And then they can say, hey, look, you know, we're being inclusive. But she is obviously a member. She's taking orders from the deep state. I don't think she's smart enough to actually be on the inside of it. Now, Dick Cheney? Probably. And I've never cared for Dick Cheney. The reason is, is he's a defense expert. And as I've said previously, he's not an expert on defense. He can't. He's not a soldier. He's not a general. He's not schooled in the operational arts. Um, he doesn't understand, you know, he's not a, a tactical guy. He can't go out there with a, well, I, I take that back. He did shoot that guy in the face bird hunting. But other than shooting a guy in the face bird hunting, um, you know, he's not a guy who can take an M4 and clear a building or do anything else. What he's an expert at, which most people don't want to admit, he's an expert on defense dollars and how to harvest billions of dollars to the point where you know he's 
he's you know the CEO of Halliburton and you know it was always funny they always talked about what a generous man he was well he they paid him 40 million dollars for being CEO of Halliburton how that works I don't know that's a lot of money but he gave 20 million of it away to charity and on the surface you go hey that's pretty nice but then what you realize is he gave that 20 million away so he could keep the other 20 million so he made 20 million dollars tax-free being the chairman of Halliburton you know and let me tell you something the Iraq war Halliburton was doing everything under the, you know, Brown and Root is one of their subsidiaries and they provided all everything from laundry to you know carpentry you know if somebody needed a, a workspace built you know to to clean weapons or to service a vehicle or something um, they would come in and either modify an existing structure or build a new one you know it just they had this they had this deal it was really all you had to do was just say hey we'd like this here and if it got uh if it got approved hey halliburton through brown and root was out there building it doing all kinds of stuff convoys purifying water everything so uh you know that's the expertise he had it and that's deep state shit right there i'm telling you that that's it right there um, no matter who's in charge, somebody's... Because when Clinton was in charge and we went to Bosnia, guess what company was there doing the same thing in Bosnia? It was Brown and Root. And, you know, they're there. That, that's all part of the deep state harvesting money. It's all part of the... The deep state has its tentacles, not just in defense industry, although that's an easy one to kind of point out. But, you know... The millions of dollars that are given away to Planned Parenthood and all of these other, all of these other liberal things that are out there, you know, they're not spending that money on you and me, or on their cause. They're they're harvesting dollars. They're harvesting our tax dollars. And I will tell you, what they actually do is, you know, they they kind of vie among themselves. The, the deep state is not a perfect monolithic it's it's not a kgb style or soviet style monolithic block it it has internal struggles where the republican part of it would like to be in charge and the democratic part would like to be in charge but they're both basically satisfied with kind of you know handing it back and forth but one of them would love to be in charge the whole time and i think that's what the democrats are trying to do they're trying to basically rig up the election laws so they can never be kicked out and if you need any further proof that there's a deep state i would say look at mr john fetterman in pennsylvania who you know realistically you've seen the guy on tv he's a zombie okay he's, he shouldn't change his name to fetter woman it should be fetter zombie he's a zombie he he can't understand what's being said to him he has to he has to allegedly read it and although i think when they're doing that they're supplying it ahead of time and somehow prompting him but he can't put together sentences he's clearly so impaired that he'll never function as a u.s senator on his own accord you know on his own on his own he'll never he'll never function that way he will be told what to do the same way now, does that sound familiar? Because that's what's happened to Joseph Robinette Biden, the cranky old, you know, 
creepy old man, the cranky old old fart, we call him. And you can see how cranky he gets with people. It's really funny. This guy is something you would see in an assisted living facility. And he's, he's the same way. Somebody is telling him what to say, what positions to take. They're prompting him. And in return, they give him an ice cream cone now and then. And, you know, you see the guy. He, he wanders around, can't figure out how to get off a stage. Uh, it goes on and on and on. They tried to put him on a bicycle. He fell over. You know, just, it, it was ridiculous. You know, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. And yet these people, and these people can't be running the government. I, I would say it's the same way. Feinstein's the same way. Feinstein is apparently so senile now that that she doesn't do anything. It's somebody else is prompting her. As long as she can still be controlled and push the right button in the Senate for a vote and all that, they, they leave him. But she's she's gone. She's gone. She's and and Pelosi isn't far behind. Pelosi hasn't seen reality in a while. So if these people aren't in charge. Who is? Who is running things? Who who's telling them which button to push? Who's telling them what position to take? Who's doing all this? And the answer is, you know, it's it's a lot of people that we just don't see behind the scenes. Now, it exists and, and it has it has obviously the cooperation, if not the membership, of the establishments of both political parties, because both parties remember the the initial days of the Trump White House, maybe the first year. Remember all the leaks and how frustrated they were that this is leaked out of the White House, leaked out of the White House. Well, as soon as they started firing some of the Republican apparatchiks who were in there, Reince Priebus was one, and all of a sudden, remember those leaks stopped. I mean, just they were shut off, and it's like, yeah, because these were deep staters who were leaking to their deep state contacts in the media and you know that's how this is working there's something working behind the scenes um somebody found out and i don't know who's profiting but they found out the united states being energy independent is a bad thing to them it's a bad thing to you and i it's a super good thing but for them it's a bad thing they can make more money if we're dependent on foreign energy and lo and behold, two years after zombie Biden takes over, that's what's happened. To the point where we're begging Saudi Arabia <laughs> to increase production. Doesn't this sound like the 90s, the 80s, the 70s when we were begging OPEC to increase production and how we were just hostages to them? We're now hostages again to the international oil market. Whereas in 2019, we were exporting energy. Think how sad that is. Think how really sad that is. And they're doing this, and, and nobody knows. People are more concerned about the Karda who the Kardashians are divorcing, who's becoming a transsexual. Um, you know, is the transsexual swimmer? Is it fair? They're, they're worried about all this pop culture garbage. And the real issues just don't seem to get to the top just don't seem to make it there now you look you got zombies you got you got just stooges who aren't very smart like cheney 
you got zombies like Biden and Fetterman. You know, and on the Republican side, I will say they, they do kind of the same thing. I mean, if you think Herschel Walker should be a United States senator, then you, you are grotesquely mistaken. Now, if I were in Georgia, I would vote for Herschel Walker because he's better than this crook Raphael Warnock, who's, who's, who's a really bad character. But the, the Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker are two sides of the same coin. Walker will do what the Republicans tell him. So he will be a good, loyal party member, and he will, he will mark it the, the way Warnock does for the Democrats. But don't think. I mean, listen to Herschel Walker speak. Listen to Raphael Warnock speak. Neither of them should be in the Senate. I, I give them this. They're better than Fetterman, <laughs> but that's not saying much. They're not, they're not these cogent, intelligent people that we would, we would hope they would be. And so we will see how this all plays out. This is the 2022 election is turning out to be more important than the, even the 2020 election was. And that was probably the most significant one, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, it's a disaster that we don't have Donald Trump with all of the and, and it's the Dinesh D'Souza movie has pointed this out and there's all kinds of there's videotape and things of all kinds of irregularities and yet anybody who mentions that basically gets shut down called names and everything else some punk where I work was talking he wasn't talking about me or I probably would have uh hit him in the head with a baseball bat or something but talking about election deniers and it's like well I'm not an election denier I'm a person who wants proof I mean I want proof there are enough allegations out there as Nancy Pelosi said we have to investigate it to see if anything's there she said that about Russia but she wouldn't do that with the 2020 election I would like to personally it would probably make me sleep better at night if I were if it were proven to me that the 2020 election probably had some irregularities like any other election, but basically that the result was right. If they could prove that or show that or demonstrate that, I would accept it. I'd accept it if it was fairly investigated. But they won't. They won't even countenance talk or doubt of that. That tells me the obvious that they're criminals and they stole an election and the last thing in the world they want to do is examine because then their methods of stealing an election will be found out and that's what they don't want to have happen how they've done it and maybe they're planning to do it again I don't know I hope not um, what, what are really the aims well the aims of the deep state is simple it's power and money the only two things in the world that matter anymore character integrity right versus wrong none of that matters power and money matter and that's what our pop culture says you know power and money are the only things that matter so you know take for ex exist uh, example not existence example take for example Ukraine okay Voldemar Zelensky a really not very funny comedian who the zenith of his career was 
pretending to play the piano with his penis and and you can look that up I think they got it on YouTube yeah I know I know so the penis piano player in this corrupt horrible country the one that took a a disgraced direct appointment naval officer naval JAG officer named Hunter Biden after he's kicked out of the Navy for drug abuse uh, they take him and they start paying him well nobody really knows but it was a lot so it was at least several million dollars a year to manage your energy company something that he he or consult his ener their energy company something he has no expertise in other than his last name is Biden and they knew that that would get them into into some sort of favor so Ukraine is a corrupt country now do they deserve to be <laughs> invaded and trashed by Russia well no because there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of countries are corrupt and that's an internal problem they don't deserve to be trashed by anybody else but anyway Ukraine which is now the cause celebre and the cause celebre will only be the cause celebre until the money runs out or a more attractive and this is this is where it gets it a more attractive alternative rises and they've set the stage for that more attractive alternative what's gonna happen is right now it's very it's very attractive to them because the United States and other countries predominantly NATO countries have given a bunch of military equipment to Ukraine you say well that sounds pretty generous that sounds nice Ukrainians need it blah 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 blah, blah. okay great but what that means is we have to replenish that stuff and so the HIMARS missile systems and all these things we've given to Ukraine now we have to buy more of the um, javelin missiles that we gave them several thousand of we now have to buy more of and oh, oh by the way to make this stuff we have to get some chips from China or Taiwan if we're lucky you know so it's not like all this stuff is made in the good old USA because it's not um, if we've also convinced countries like Poland and Romania and, and a few other ones maybe it's Bulgaria I don't know uh, give up some old fighter planes to uh, to Ukraine give them give them your old MiG fighter planes that you don't want anymore these things are 30 years old they're old Soviet surplus give those away and they can they can do whatever they're gonna do with them and we'll replace those with like F-16s that we're making okay so there's money there you see the money it's like yeah give it to those guys and then oh geez we need to buy more at a certain point uh, Ukraine that, that, that money is gonna top out okay money's gonna top out and they'll be tired of Ukraine because for a variety of reasons they'll get tired of Ukraine however that will end will end but then the next phase of this is going to be that all these NATO countries now are going to be scared because they the deep state wants Ukraine to basically fall or at least big chunks of it to fall to Russia because then they can build up the threat to NATO which means NATO countries are going to be buying a lot of weapons and guess where those are coming from 
and they're going to be buying humanitarian stuff you know they, they they're going to be buying stockpiles of food they're going to be trying to figure out where their energy is coming from because maybe russia doesn't sell it to them anymore or if they do it's at a at an exorbitant price and all the rest of it so all this stuff that we're buying for ukraine and then having to replenish whether it's humanitarian aid military aid all this other stuff when Ukraine is gone, they're going to build up the threat. And it'll be just like the old Cold War. It's like, oh my God, we've got to build. They have a new fighter plane. We better get three new fighter planes that are better. You know, it's it's going to be going on and on. Well, all of that comes out of your and my wallet, because and it goes from our wallet, laundered through the government, and it winds up in somebody like Dick Cheney's bank account. This is how they can afford to pay him $40 million a year. And that was back in the 90s. Imagine what these people are making now. I mean, they don't they don't uh, kick this around very much, but I imagine that they're, you know, maybe let's say they make $100 million a year. You know, that's, that isn't just money that the government... The government just doesn't make money and then hand it to them. The government takes money from the rest of us and hands it to them. So... There is a deep state. Yes, Virginia, there is a deep state. And yes, um, just like Robin Hood in reverse, it's robbing from everybody and giving to the rich. Uh, or just like Santa Claus in reverse, it's taking the toys out of your... He comes down the chimney, takes the toys out from under your Christmas tree, goes up the chimney, and then gives them to the rich. That's what's happening. And all of these other things are, are set up to days and confuse you to lead you down the wrong road to make you you know more concerned about a celebrity divorce than what's happening to your country and so I just needed to uh, to talk about that um, you can see that stuff's happening and, and when you get beyond the deep state you can see where this is all just falling into the I mean it's just the dollar signs are racking up Finland and Sweden two countries that stayed neutral from the end of the second world war well Sweden had always been neutral but um, they'd been neutral since the end of the second world war, all through the cold war and everything now they're in NATO and um, you know another another thievery is Turkey which is nothing more than a bunch of Middle Eastern beggars and bandits you know, a bunch of Muslim beggars and bandits, as all Turkey is. Um, they're saying, well, we don't want them in unless we get some sort of concession because they think that they've been harboring, you know, because of the Kurdish, some of the Kurdish groups of, you know, they'll have an office in, in uh, Finland or Sweden. So they'll, so right away, Turkey is trying to leverage that to get more. And the more comes from NATO. Guess guess who guess who funds most of NATO it's you and I sitting whether you're sitting in the middle of Missouri Montana California Delaware Maine Florida Texas wherever it is you are you are paying and you will pay money that's gonna go into some Turkish fat cats wallet so that they'll drop their objection to Finland and Sweden joining NATO. Now, when Finland and Sweden join NATO, guess what's going to happen? 
they're going to ask for some financial help from the United States. Guess who's paying for that? You know, I mean, you can see. You can see. And this is all being facilitated by this organization, this loose organization, this, this shadow government, the deep state, is orchestrating all of this or takes advantage of all of this. Now, they're not perfect. They do make horrible mistakes. 2016, the, the deep state, and you'll, you'll remember this if you were, you were an adult in 2016, remember during the primaries that the news media, CNN, all the liberal news media, they could not get enough of Donald Trump. They loved him. They loved him. They would put him on and everything else. They wanted him to win the primary because they thought he would get slaughtered in the general election. And they horribly miscalculated, even to the point where I can remember just a couple weeks before the 2016 election, um, Donald they said Hillary Clinton's got a 10-point lead in the polls and she's going to comfortably win the presidency. I remember that. I remember thinking, man, I don't know. I Just this gut feeling I have says that can't be right. Well, their polling was wrong, so they're not infallible. They are capable of making horrendous misjudgments. Uh, another horrendous misjudgment they made was, you know, look at the Bay of Pigs, look at the Vietnam War, look at those things. These horrendous misjudgments, you know, a lot of that stuff was already in motion when John F. Kennedy took, took office. And in fact, he had kind of got briefed on the operation and you know he started pulling the plug on that thing and it you know it turned into a, it was it was going to be a disaster anyway unless we did a normandy style invasion of cuba it was there was no way it was going to win a lot of people say well you know he pulled the air support and that was a no no dudes it was not going to work it was flat ass not going to work so uh for a variety of reasons it was totally and completely mis mistaken so the deep state is in there and they're doing a lot of this stuff. They're doing a lot of this stuff. Here's an example of some early, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna basically uh, end it on this. In 1941, Franklin Roosevelt, or actually it was 1940, Franklin Roosevelt went to do the uh, what's it called the Atlantic Charter, you know, where he and he kind of sailed out in the ocean and met Churchill and. You know, they were kind of doing all this stuff, you know, figuring out what the strategy would be because they knew eventually war would come. While that happened, kind of a low-level, under-the-radar guy named Dean Acheson, who became, who became famous later, but he's the guy who started the oil embargo against Japan. That oil embargo was the thing that pushed them over the edge and led them to believe that we're going to attack Pearl Harbor. We're, we're going to war with the United States. Roosevelt himself was not in favor of an oil embargo. But when he came back, it had already been put into place, and he didn't want to rescind it because it would look flip-floppy and weak and like the government was disorganized, like he wasn't in control because, well, he really wasn't. So he let it stand, and that directly led to the start of World War II for the United States.
that is an example of the stuff the deep state does and that's also an example of how they're not infallible because that created a huge freaking problem um, unless you were just trying to get the attack which you know they may have been but um, clearly that was a disaster one other thing we can talk about is and I don't know if you can this is more of a, a, a just the, the liberal media problem and not really deep state but there was a school shooting in St. Louis at a performing arts high school what that is I don't know I assume it's for every oddball student who refuses to do English, math, science, history, and just wants to sing in the choir, act in plays, and stuff like that. I assume that's what it is. Um, a performing arts high school. I assume that it probably is very light on the academic subjects that are actually <laughs> the most relevant, and it is probably not very good for the ones you know the ones that you know face it not everybody's going to Broadway not everybody's gonna have a hit record or be an Oscar winning actor so uh, obviously one of the kids that got in this program and spit out was now an adult and he came back and killed two people at the school and came back and shot him um, they made a big deal that he had an AR-15 and that he had 600 rounds of ammo what I will tell you is, um, I wish every guy would carry 600 rounds of ammo because guess what? That's an encumbrance. There's a reason the Army gives people 210 rounds as a basic load and not 600 rounds. So that probably made him more vulnerable. Now, you can't explain that to the general public because they get so emotional and, and you know, nobody will understand that. Th to them, they think he had 600 rounds. That means he could have killed 599 people plus himself. That's not what that means. What that means is he was carrying a lot more weight that slowed him down and probably made him an easier target. And uh, this time the school response thing, as soon as they heard the gunfire, they swarmed him, um, killed him, and that, that was it. And so as bad as it is, it could have been far, far worse. And had they had a Uvalde or a uh, Columbine response, it, it could have been another one of these horrific things. But they did everything right. But the perpetrator was a black kid now that doesn't really matter except to the media to the media it doesn't fit the narrative that school shooters are maladjusted white or in some cases Hispanic kids who you know were bullied and all the rest of it when it didn't fit that narrative they dropped it I mean it just vanished within less than 24 hours it was completely gone completely gone I mean you can google it and still find it but nobody's talking about it now you can say well they're not talking about it because not that many people were killed well if this is the big issue they're talking about you would think that this would be a big deal or they would kind of use us to say hey maybe this stuff maybe their narrative their racist narrative that it's only white people who do this is wrong which it is it's completely wrong and it completely is terrible so it just goes to show you you cannot trust the media they do not report things that are inconvenient to their narratives and this is just another example 
Okay, well, here we are at 39 minutes and 45 seconds. And we will now start my favorite part, which is questions and answers, and actually gun-related. Um, so here is the question. Bears. I've been hearing more about bears encroaching into campgrounds and residential neighborhoods. What sort what sort of firearm should I use to defend myself? And what I like about this is that they're talking about the firearms. And so we can give up on the fiction of bear spray. We can give up on the fiction of bells. We can give up on the fiction of waving your arms and screaming bear, bear, bear. Uh, we can give up on all these non-lethal fictions that are out there, okay? Now, I will also preface this by saying there, there's kind of like major league bears and there's minor league bears. Black bears are minor league bears. They're smaller. They're not as vicious on the whole, but they can still kill you, okay? Major league bears are big brown bears like grizzly bears or big white bears like polar bears that are much larger, much more fearsome, and will kill you unhesitatingly. So what I, and we've talked about bears before, um, the current common advice, the current common wisdom is a 10 millimeter automatic, and since you're going to be using it at comparatively close range, a Glock would seem like a good choice. Um, there are other 10 millimeters out there, but a Glock would be a good choice. Um, I am not a huge fan of that because I, I well, don't really want to say that I think a 45 ACP and a 10 millimeter are equivalent, but they're close enough. I don't know there's a whole lot of difference. So if you've got a 45 caliber pistol, um, 10 millimeter 45, and I know 10 millimeters got more of a, yeah, okay. I think where you, in black bear country, you're fine with all that. 45, you know, some of those things have been killed by 5.56 five, to talk into the rifle range. You know, black bears are about 200 pounds or less, uh, two to maybe 300 pounds. The other bears are a lot bigger, you know, almost twice as big, probably in some cases even larger. So uh, I would say that. For minor league bears, you're you're fine with your, your 10 millimeter, uh, 44 and 45 caliber pistols. Um, for the larger bears, I, you definitely want a 41, 44, um, 454, 460, blah blah, blah all, all the way up, all the way up. Um, I if I were going into bear country bad bear country you know I would say even maybe even black bear country I would take the same I, I have a 50 caliber desert eagle and I would I would feel very good with that it's a good gun um, yeah I, I would feel very comfortable with that I generally would prefer a revolver in some ways because well revolvers are revolvers and, and they're, they're, they're very reliable and good like we talked about last podcast but I would, I would definitely think 50 A&E would be good 
for any handheld gun, that's that's going to be as good as it gets. I mean, maybe the 500 Smith and Wesson would be a whole lot better, but I think you got a whole lot more recoil. You know, and and is any handgun really good against a large, angry bear? You know, the major league bear. And the answer is I don't know, but if I had to have, if, if it was only a handgun, I'd have that. And I take that from that's what Alaskan guides basically do. They have a 41 Magnum or a 44 Magnum revolver, and anything other than that, I think is I, th I think that's pretty optimum. So that's that's what I would go with. Um, for the bigger bigger bears, you know, you you just you, you're talking 12 gauge slug is probably a really good thing to have, and I'm not talking about just the the hokey slugs. I forget what they call those. The ones that have been around forever. But there are some there are some better slugs out there now. I'd probably go with that. I would not go with any kind of buckshot. I would go with the slugs. Or I would have a a powerful rifle. Like I would not use a 6.5 Creedmoor. I'm I'm sure it could kill a bear, but I want to really kill a bear. And uh I've never and they're so quick that I don't know if increased capacity really... Like, I could sit there and say, hey, I'll take a G3 out. That's it's 7.62 NATO. Um, you know, if I have soft point ammunition in it, um, it'll feed pretty well because a G3 feeds anything, which I found out personally it does. So, you know, you could say that, but hey, is the... Outside of the first two or three shots, is it... You know, what are those other shots doing you any good? Or would you be better off having something that was maybe a 300 magnum that only even if it only held four four shots would it be a better deal and i would suspect it would oh okay another one this came up this came up in a conversation why are you so fascinated with old calibers well because i like old guns and a lot of old guns come in old calibers and and i'm actually always curious about an old caliber and the one we talked about last time was 38 Smith and Wesson but it's been 3840 um 3220 <laughs> uh 30 Luger 7.63 Mauser you know I mean you can go down the list of of these things I've played with um I always like to see what what were they really like and what was what was it that led to people thinking hey these are really good idea and what was it that led to people thinking, hey, these really aren't a very good idea later on? <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where I am with all that. So I, I like seeing what, what were the limitations and what were the advantages? And why did they kind of go extinct? Well, okay, next question. Why do you like the 6.5 Creedmoor better than the 260 Remington? Well, every fiber in my being would tell me the 260 Remington is what I would want. Okay? But the problem is, Remington has had so many... Remington introduced it, and they introduced it in a kind of an older style hunting configuration. Um, it's, it's really two different things. You're really comparing apples and oranges. I, I think just for standard hunting... 260 Remington would be great. Nothing wrong with it at all. No, there's no no real downsides. Um, the problem with it is it was never designed as the Creedmoor was for long-range shooting. So the way the lead is in the barrel, 
um, the twist rates, and all those things that that helped optimize the Creedmoor for the the really incredibly good ballistic coefficient bullets, the very low drag bullets that are out there that can shoot a thousand yards, um, never happened for the Remington. It just never happened. So while you probably could if you spent enough money and built a custom rifle and did some custom loading and, and, and you know the other thing too is all the hand loading data for the Creedmoors out there to do that where it's not for the Remington. So I fall back and I say why do I prefer the 6.5 Creedmoor? Well I believe that the testing that US SOCOM did in 2019 where they looked over uh, 19 different calibers including the 260 Remington and out of all of those they chose the 6.5 Creedmoor. So that's why I prefer it. There's nothing wrong with the 260 Remington and in fact I think the 260 Remington would be a very it, it never will be but the 277 Fury which you know you notice how that's just dried up and gone away nobody's talking about it I'd be very surprised if that ever <laughs> resurfaces but you know the 277 Fury is kind of the same thing a cool a, a 308 based a 308 762 NATO based cartridge is always going to be a great battle rifle cartridge and so you know they could they, they could very well develop it um, we'll see but I don't I don't think so I think anybody who needs a 6.5 precision rifle the, the Creedmoor the work's already done for the Creedmoor and it's already there for you and you can buy fantastically accurate loads just off the shelf so that's why. That's why I like it better, and that's why everybody else does too. Um, optics on pistols. Red dot optics on pistols. Uh, why do you not like them? I think I've gone through this before, but I'll I'll actually do this really quick. Uh, our friend of the podcast sent me a video of Ken Hackathorn, who cogently explains all the reasons why a red dot can be useful in some circumstances and not very useful and what the pros and cons are his kind of reading in between the lines his as I see it his conclusion is that red dots really aren't worth it um, my only viewpoint is uh, I, I agree with everything he basically said I think the only advantage to a red dot would be in a low light situation um, but the rest of it is all the rest of it and as it turns out in especially gunfighting pistol gunfighting ranges where you're likely to have a hostile encounter um, basically a red dot isn't going to help just not going to help because you're not shooting it that far away it's 10 yards and in and so you don't need a red dot and why would you put up with the additional complexity the additional hassle the additional bulk of a red dot when you don't have to so I, I don't think I think you might see special operations guys they've been playing with these things for years um, they may continue to play with them but I don't know that it'll ever be so widely accepted that every issue sidearm will have them I just don't see that as happening okay trouble is coming what should I buy now this came from a guy I've been trying to tell him he needed to buy an AR for a year and a half. 
He just now said, gee, I think I really need to buy like an AR. And this guy's a military veteran, whole thing. Retired military, is in fact. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm like, if you're retired military and you don't understand the reason to own an AR, I'm, I can't explain it to you, you know. I mean, you've got, you should have 20 plus years of empirical experience and relevant experience that would tell you why you should have an AR, why that's a good gun for you to have if you're expecting trouble. But hey, if you want to, you want to shoot your 300 Magnum instead, you know that's fine. Uh, defend your, defend your home with a 300 Magnum when somebody breaks in. Go ahead. Well, finally he said, "Wow, what should I do?" And it's like, "Well, I'll tell you this right now: trouble's coming sooner, faster than later." I think. Don't know that, but I would suspect it. So I would say, run down to wherever you can buy an AR, you know, anywhere from Cabela's to, you know, local gun store, anywhere. Uh, look over what they got and buy. Don't even concern yourself with price at this point. Um, if it costs you $1,000, cost you $1,000. If you're a person who does just doesn't have the money, um, you know, you can go on. You can order a completely assembled lower, have it transferred through an FFL, and then buy the upper you want, you just basically plug them together, buy some mags and some ammo, and you're good to go. So you can do that, and you probably save some money. But if time is short, money won't matter. You know, a couple hundred bucks will seem won't matter if in the middle of a riot you're defending yourself with your AR as opposed to not having it. For a pistol, um, since you're not going to have it long to practice. I would buy a Glock style pistol, whether it's a PSA dagger or one of the other Glock clones or a used Glock or a new Glock. I'd buy a 9mm Glock and a thousand rounds of ammo. And, you know, you could buy a shield. It doesn't matter. You could buy the MP, you know, you can buy any of those. Buy yourself a good polymer frame. Now, if you're really cool, You'll go find one of the new high powers, Browning high powers, and buy that. But most people won't. So uh, I say just just go out and buy. This is the point where we're reaching the point where you need to go into a gun store and just look and say, of these six choices, I'm going to choose that one, as opposed to the optimum choice for me out of the you know 200 handguns that are for sale is this one. You, you just need to choose the best one you can probably from the available stock. The good part is nobody's panic buying yet. So, you know, you can, uh, they're still pretty reasonably stocked. So that's what I would do. That is what I would do. And here's our last question. Our last question. The Smith & Wesson Model 1917 is returning. Is it a good revolver? I don't know about the new ones. I can tell you the old ones are fantastic revolvers. I carry one around my little, my little property, um, and I love it. I, absolutely, it's the best. Now I use my own hand loads of a 250 grain cast bullet. It's totally accurate, powerful as I need it, and I really like it. Um, and I use 45 auto rim brass, so it's like eh, regular revolver round, no big deal. I could load the same thing in auto brass and use a moon clip. I could do that, but I don't really feel the need. Um, 
it's nice that I can use regular 45 ammo, even down to 200 grain, you know, target loads. And it, it, the revolver shoots them all well. Uh, the new Smith & Wesson I can't stand because they've color case hardened the whole thing, which the originals never were and looks goofy to me. But, you know, hey, if you want it, it's it's fine. I mean, it's that's personal taste. That's personal choice. Um, what I would say is if you can't find an original or one of the... Uh, very excellent Brazilian contract guns. Um, the new one is not a bad deal. I think an MSRP is for like just under a thousand. So you could probably get it maybe, you know, 850 or so. In which case, you know, that's what you pay for a quality revolver. I mean, it's, it's a good revolver. I would not, I'm not pooping on it. I'm saying the color case hardening I don't care for. It probably has what's been called the Hillary hole, which is the hole for that safety lock abomination they put in there um, Smith and Wesson should just drop those uh, I don't know why they don't but they don't so it probably has that so it's not completely authentic but you know the other the other beautiful part of that is is that I <laughs> and again nobody wants to believe this and if you buy it that buy it for a thousand dollars you're probably not going to carry it around as a holster gun but I if you if you are so inclined the copies of the USGI holster are great holsters. They are so great. Um, you know, they're easy to use. It's it's a leather flap holster. It's got an easy access. It's it's not clumsy. It's not. It just it's just one of those things. that's very simple, very functional, and a pleasure to use. It really is a pleasure to use compared to some other things. So, the nineteen seventeen is still a great defense firearm it's a absolutely um, great firearm now what it's not great for is concealed carry because it's big it's not horrific but it's big it's an end frame um, if you're going to use it strictly for home defense it's fine um, you know I, I think we're in the era kind of where the the pistol and the pistol caliber carbine are the best for home defense, and that's up to you. But it's a great, it's a great pistol to have. It's absolutely great. And uh, here I am just talking. Hey, it's great, 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 great. Well, it is a great pistol. So um, it's an outstanding piece of engineering, and it does everything it's supposed to. It's lightweight for its size and power, and um, good, good overall package. So that's that's what that is. Well, this is it for this edition of Old School Guns, episode number 155. And again, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can email them to me at kbmakel at aol.com, kbmakel at aol.com, or you can leave them in the comments section on Podbean. But until then, this is Old School Guns, out. <laughs>